Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be reading 19 through 27. 19 through 27. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. We will be the most part in verse 19. 19 through 27. This is a very tedious passage of Scripture as Paul continues his argument over the workings of the law and righteousness and faith and all of these things to the Judaizers. And he is teaching here, and in verse 19, he asks a question and then answers it. And that's what we will be looking at this morning. Remember that this is the revealed Word of God, inspired by the Holy God given to the Apostle Paul to give to the church. It was important then, and it is still important today. Listen to what it says beginning in verse 19. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through the angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on the law. But the Scripture has shut up all men under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. May God bless the reading of His Word. You may be seated. If you go back to verse 19, the first question that is asked is, Why the law then? Why the law then? I want you to know something, that our Lord does everything on purpose, will He, May? Everything on purpose. He is a purpose-filled God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. When we look at the passage of Scripture that's before us in 19, He has a plan and a purpose for the law of God. For His law, He has a plan and a purpose. Isaiah, go sit down, son. (laughs) I can correct my children, can I? All right, good. Why the law then? Our Lord does everything on purpose. When the Lord gave Adam and Eve the one commandment in the garden, Tara's going to sit on the front row. Look, Tara, I'm so proud of you. Your son's getting married this weekend coming up, and you're on the front. This is is so good. David, I'm proud. I am. She's going to relax now. All right, now let's get back to this. 
We're on purpose. We're on plan. When the Lord gave Adam and Eve the one commandment in the garden, it was for a purpose. It was for a plan for them. He wanted to spend time with them. He wanted to have relationship with them. He wanted them to trust and obey him. So he gave them one commandment and they broke it. They broke it. When they broke it, we know the story that it plunged all of humanity into sin. I don't have to teach Isaiah how to sin. It comes natural. Don't it, son? Amen? He shook his head. This was the Lord's way. This was the Lord's purpose in the beginning with the one commandment, the one law that he gave them. So he always has a purpose. This was the Lord's way. Well, it's no different with the law of God. The law of God was given years later when Moses came onto the scene on top of Mount Sinai. The law, even though it doesn't justify us, is still good. The Lord has given us this law and there is a purpose for giving us this law. In some regards, it's still good for us today. There's a lot of people that say, ah, we ain't got to do all that Old Testament law. But it still has its purpose. It still has its purpose. And so that's what we're going to look at today. I've heard it before. We're not under the law anymore. And it's true. But if you take away the law of God then you cannot properly minister to other people. And the reason why is because where the law of God is, on the other side of that is you have the gospel of Christ Jesus. And you can't remove one or the other. And so you have to bring both of them out together. It cannot be neglected. It still has a purpose and it still has a design. The scripture teaches us here, if righteousness was to be obtained by the law, it would be this law. Because that's how perfect it is, right? But we know that keeping the law, we cannot obtain righteousness. The law is good if it is used properly. It's very good. It brings about a lot of different things that we're going to look at. The law is good if it is used properly. Properly, Paul gives us in 19 the purpose of the law, and that purpose is that of transgression. The purpose of the law was because of transgressions. You know what that means? Because of what? Sin. The law is given to show sin. That's what the law is given. The first thing that I want you to see about this passage of Scripture. The Lord has given the law to keep wickedness and sin from completely taking over. He's given us this law to structure us, to completely, to keep us from from sin and death and all of this stuff from completely taking over wickedness. From completely taking over. And it's, and it's somewhat nightmarish to think that our country today is wanting to defund those that uphold the law. Yes, be, be. 
Guys, it's the truth. You take money away from the police officers that uphold the law, the civil law, and people are not civil anymore. What happens when you take away the law enforcement? People get stupid. Is that right or is that wrong? That's right. That is right. I'm not trying to get political. I'm trying to show you that today in our day and age and in our country, something is happening in our country and it's right here from the Bible. The purpose of the law is to show sin. Well, guess what? We've taken the law out of our churches. We've taken the law out of our schools. We've taken it out of our society. And if we take it out, what happens? Anarchy. That's what's happened. That's what's happened. So the law is good. And let me explain to you why it's good. It keeps, it keeps order. It keeps order, doesn't it? It keeps order. Does it make men righteous? No. It doesn't. It keeps men from stealing because the consequence of steal is to get your hand cut off or it was years ago. If they did that today, people would quit doing it, I believe. It'd be a lot less of it. Instead of saying, oh, I'll put you in jail and you can, you can pay a certain amount and get out and we'll go to trial here in a couple of years. Don't worry about it. Slap on the wrist. The law is good. The civil law is good. It brings about civility. It brings about to a place where we can live. Can you imagine what would happen if there was no Law. You see it today. What about Portland? What about Chicago? These places where where they're walking away from law enforcement. Things are going crazy. It's bananas. It, It truly is. And our country as a whole is going and doing things like this. And we wonder why there is so much Confusion. The law of God and the intent of the law was given to restrain sin. If there were not laws in this land, if there was not police in this land, if there was not the military in this land, what would happen to our religious freedoms? We'd lose them, wouldn't we? And so I want you to see that even spreading the gospel, sharing the gospel, worshiping the Lord without the civil laws in our land that God has ordained, without those, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? So there is something good about the law. If the law is given to restrain sin... Listen to me. If the law is given to restrain sin, then there is no way that the law can bring righteousness. I'm going to say it one more time. I want you to think about it. If God's law is given to restrain sin, then there is no way that righteousness can come from that law. Because all it's about is sin. You understand what I'm telling you? It's only about sin. The law is a clearer indication of unrighteousness than it is of righteousness. 
It is a clearer indication of wickedness than it is of righteousness. Why? Because it shows wickedness. This is what it shows. And so the Lord has given us the law. He gave the law in the Old Testament, the civil law, the moral law, the judicial law. He's given us the law. He's given us laws in this land to restrain sin from Satan running amok and destroying everything in his path. We have laws that restrain that. And they don't restrain it all the way. We know that. But these laws are good. They're good. Let's move on. We would, though, we would have a crime rate out of this world, wouldn't we? If we didn't, I mean, it would be dog eat dog, the strong survive. I mean, it would, it would be a bad place. It would be a bad place. So the law does, to some degree, restrain sin. This is the good thing then about the law. Verse 19, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions. Because of transgressions. Not because of righteousness, but because of transgressions. Because of sin. The second thing that I want you to show show you this morning about the law. The second purpose that we see with the law is transgressions. Well, you say we just went over that. Yes, we did. The law shows transgressions, it shows sin. But I want you to listen. The second purpose of the law is spiritual. The first one is civil in this world where it restrains sin, but the second one is spiritual. And this is what Paul is driving at more than the first. He is driving at the spiritual side of things more than he is the first one. The second purpose of the law is spiritual. The law of God reveals the blackness of the heart. This is the spiritual side of it. This is where it is not good news. Because the law of God reveals the blackness of the heart. It reveals our sin. It shows our depravity. Doesn't it? It's not a pretty sight. It shows spiritual blindness. It shows our half-dead, rotting state that we are in. It shows us our brokenness. The law of God shows us our unrighteousness. It reveals to us our misery. This is not something that's real popular today in society, especially in the church. You need to see that the law of God is good. But when we look at it in the light of ourselves, man, it shows us that we don't have nothing. That we are broke, that we are completely busted, that we are in misery. And that death and hell... We deserve. Because the scripture is clear. If you break one, then you're a slave to keep them all. You're guilty of them all. If you break just one, you're guilty. So what do we do? The law is there to show us this guilt. 
The law is there to show us the shame. People must realize, you must realize this morning that outside of God's grace, we are chained and yoked under the bondage of keeping the entire law. And it is absolutely impossible to do. You cannot do it. This is bad news. For people that try to work out their own righteousness, which ends up to be filthy rags. This is what Paul was saying to the Judaizers. He was telling them, you cannot keep the law and have Jesus at the same time. You are not justified by that. Only justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what the apostle is saying. Outside of that, you're lost. Outside of that, you can't do it. This is why the law is so important when presenting the gospel. Those that are under the law are in bondage to keep it all. You are chained to the letter. Let me explain it to you. You are chained to keep every law that the conscience could ever reveal to your heart. You're chained to it. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I can't do that. I break them when I wake up out of bed in the morning. You put one of Isaiah's toys underneath my foot. When I get out of the bed, one of them little sharp pointed ones and see what happens in my heart. I'm just being truthful here. And the reason why is because we are enslaved to that outside of God's grace. The natural man. It springs up in us all the time, doesn't it? This is a terrible, terrible scene. The law's purpose is to show you your sin. It's not pretty. As a matter of fact, it's very, very ugly. Very ugly. When the law was put in effect on the top of Mount Sinai, when it was given to Moses, the people were at the bottom of the mountain. They were at the bottom. And what did it do to them? In Exodus chapter 20, it scared them to death, didn't it? Why did it scare them to death? Let me explain it to you. The Lord appeared to Moses in a thick cloud on the top of the mountain. Out of this cloud, and this is all scripture, came the brightest and the loudest sound and sights you could ever see. This lightning and thunder was accompanied by a very loud trumpet. Yes. Yes. We don't have the trumpeteers today that can make this sound. It was the trump of God. Amen. That sounded on top of the mountain with thunder, with lightning, but not only that, with fire that consumed the top of the mountain. Amen. Yes. Yes. This is the law. What did it do to the people? Don't talk to us, God. Please talk to Moses. For him to talk to us because we can't handle you. We can't handle your sight. We can't handle your law. We cannot fulfill it. They chucked tail and they ran back into their tents. Is what happened. The mountain of God was on fire. Smoke ascended up from the top. And the whole mountain, it says that it even quaked violently. The mountain of God quaked violently. 
The law was accompanied with terror. Not terror. I always think about that when I think about you. It's close. The law was accompanied with terror. Martin Luther, the great reformer, in his exposition of Galatians, listen to what he tells us about the law. I love how he puts this. And he's got one of the best commentations, exposition on Galatians. He's kind of known for that. Okay, and so he says the law, listen to this, the law is the hammer of death. The law is the thunder of hell. That's not real popular sayings, is it? (laughs) The law is the hammer of death and the thunder of hell and the lightning of God's wrath to bring down the proud and the shameless hypocrites. This is what the law does. It breaks man of all that he is, showing him that to keep the law, he's going to have to keep them all, and he knows that that's virtually impossible to do. He can't do it. The purpose of the law is to, is to threaten until the conscience of man is scared straight. Do we understand that? What was shown at Mount Sinai was a type of what happens in the heart of man. Let me explain it to you. When the law was given, it shows us spiritually what the law does in a person's life. It brings about lightnings and it brings about thunders in the heart of man. It sets a man on fire on the inside and shakes him violently to the very core, doesn't it? When he realizes for the first time that he is a sinner outside of the grace of God, under the wrath of God, what happens? He is scared to death. This is a place that nobody wishes to be. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. You can have all the mountains in the world cover you up and you're still going to be lost. The law is not all that beautiful when it comes to the heart of man. It's terrifying. It's ugly. It shows all sorts of bad, doesn't it? It shows that he's, he's a broken, trembling mess. Amen. This is the purpose of the law. Ask a person. Ask me. Ask someone that has been saved. What happened in their life before they by faith trusted in Jesus? When the law was made manifest into their heart, ask them what it was like while they walked under the wrath of God, while they was a slave to the bondage of keeping all the law. Ask them what it was like. And this is what they'll tell you. They'll tell you that they trembled in fear. They'll tell you that at any minute they felt like they could possibly go to hell. They'll tell you that everything about them pointed to sin. Everything about them was being stripped of pride. And all of this stuff was being taken and shown to them and applied to their conscience. I remember when it was applied to mine. I thought I could get away from it when I went to bed. Not. I had dreams about it. I couldn't get away from sin. When sin was revealed to my heart, it was was terrible. 
Here I am in the family of six children. My mom and my dad. And sin was applied to my heart. I had no idea what to do. It terrified me. It was the heaviest weight and the heaviest burden, the heaviest yoke that has ever been placed on me. It felt like it was pushing me through the floor into the very pits of hell. I knew that at any second, any second God's wrath could pour out on me. It made me aware of my sin. It made me aware of my filth. It made me aware that any righteousness that I have is but filthy rags. There's a terribly heavy, heavy yoke, a heavy burden that's impossible, impossible to hold up under. It's impossible to keep for at every single angle of the law, it shows us all of our imperfections, our sins. And this is kind of odd, but the law of God also acts as a light. And this is where it becomes odd, because it acts as a light. And what does it do? Well, it shines light on our wickedness. It's like walking into a room with a mirror in it. You don't see that mirror until the light comes on, do you? But as soon as that rascal comes on, there that ugly mug is standing in front of it, right? Right? That's what happens with the law of God. When it is put to the heart, put to the conscience, that light comes on to show and to reveal wickedness in a person's life. And you're not the same anymore. You're tormented by every imperfection, by every flaw, by every sin. It shows the wrath of God that comes with that sin. This is absolutely bad news. But I want to show you I want to show you something. This is where the law stops. This is where it stops. It doesn't go any further than this. Okay? You need to see that this is where it stops. And what happened with the Judaizers that Paul was ministering to as they blurred the lines. They said, Well, you need to by faith believe in Jesus, but you also need to keep the law. Uh uh-uh. uh, it ain't happening. Never. It's not to be that way. There is a line where the law stops. The Scripture teaches us. The Scripture teaches us that it is to show sin, that it is to keep civility in the land. But it also teaches us and also leads us to someone. Because where the bad news ends, there's always got to be good news, right? Where the bad news is, ends, then the good news picks up. This is called the gospel. 
So the bad news comes onto the scene. It shows us all of this wickedness. It shows you you're in bondage. And if it was stopped right there with nothing left, nothing else, we would be of all men most miserable. We would be the worst creatures in the world. But it doesn't stop there. The law stops there. But Jesus came to fulfill that law. Where we couldn't fulfill it, he comes to fulfill it. And where he comes to fulfill it, he brings the gospel message with himself and in himself. And the good news of the gospel is what? That Jesus came to redeem us from the curse and the burden of the law. We are all guilty of breaking the law, all of us, in this room. If you're taking breath, you are guilty. But the good news this morning is that Jesus came to deliver us from this bondage and to set us free. Do we understand that? We can't get away from that. Where bad news comes in at, we see the gospel come in and bring us good news. Everybody following? You picking up what I'm laying down? Let's move on. Listen to what it says. So where there's bad news, there's good news. Verse 19, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions. Having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, that was Moses, until the seed, that's Christ, should come to whom the promise had been made. The promise was made through Christ. Listen to what it says in verse 20. Now a mediator is not for one party only, Whereas God is only one. God does not need a mediator. We're the ones that need a mediator. This is why Moses was sent. To mediate between the people of God and God himself. The people needed the mediator because they were wicked. So Moses was the go-between. This is why Jesus was sent. Because man is wicked. And there's only one man between God and us. And that is the man, Christ Jesus. You can't get around it. Jesus came to be that mediator for us. Listen to what it says. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Verse 21, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? No, may it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on the law. He says, if, if there was a law given that we could obtain righteousness through, it would be this one. But this was not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to show sin and to lead to Christ. Yes. Righteousness was to be gained from Christ Jesus, not the law. Listen to what it says in verse 22. But the scripture has shut up all men under sin. You know what that means? It it means me and you included are under sin. Outside of the grace of God, you are under sin. You say, I don't like the way you say that at me. Doesn't matter. That's what the scripture teaches. You are under sin if you're outside of the grace of God. You're under it. But the scripture has shut up all men under sin. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 22 and 23. But before faith came we were kept in custody under the law. 
Remember I told you you were in bondage to do the workings of the law. You're in bondage. You had a yoke on you. This is what 23 is saying. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. We're in bondage to the law until by faith we are delivered from it. The only way to be delivered from the law and the bondage that comes with that law is through faith in Christ Jesus. There's not a work that we can do to deliver us from the bondage of the law. None. Verse 24, here you go. Here it is. Listen to what it says. Therefore, the law has become our tutor, our principal, our schoolmaster, to lead us to Christ. To lead us to Christ. That we may be justified by faith. It is our teacher, it is our principal, it is our tutor to lead us to Christ Jesus. This is the purpose of the law. Verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now that faith has come, now that we've believed by faith in Christ Jesus, we have been delivered from the law. You follow? Everybody follows. Verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul, and we have to remember that this is in view of an argument to the Judaizers. And so what he says here in in 26 is this. Paul says, if you are a son of God, it's only through faith in Jesus Christ and not by keeping the law. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, this is not a physical baptism, but yet a spiritual one. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. He's saying those who have been saved or been baptized in Christ by faith have put on righteousness or put on Christ Jesus. And because you have put on Christ Jesus, you have been redeemed and brought out from underneath the yoke of the law. So in closing, in closing this morning, Paul's argument, he tells the Judaizers that righteousness cannot be obtained by the keeping of the law, but rather through faith in Christ Jesus. And that is the good news of the gospel this morning. Righteousness, right standing before the Heavenly Father being justified is only through faith in Christ Jesus. I pity you this morning if you're under the yoke of the law. That's not a place that you want to be. But there's good news for you. And that good news comes only in the person, only in the mediator, only in the man 
Jesus Christ. By placing your faith in Him this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today.